We did a show call of the E20T. We present this E20T concept in Los Angeles. And a week before, I got a phone call from a manager from um, Robert Donnie Jr. And he was asking, he said to me, yeah, uh, Mr. Uh, Donnie, he wants to know who is the man behind the Audi design. And I said, yeah, uh, I'm, the, I, I'm responsible for the design and I will be in, in Los Angeles a week later. I said, oh, cool. Mr. Robert Donnie wants to meet you. I said, cool. We spent the whole day together driving R8. I present to him the GT. And he said, what do you think, Mark, if we do it tonight, we unveil the car together? That's Mark Lichter. He's the brains behind the ridiculously beautiful Audi cars you see. I'm Alex Goy, and this is Audi Behind the Rings. What the Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man, Will Smith is the animated Lance Sterling, and Rupert Friend is Agent 47 all have in common. Well, these silver screen heroes are all made infinitely cooler by the cars they drive. Cars on the table, I'm a massive Marvel nerd, so seeing the e-tron GT in Avengers Endgame was pretty cool. The shapes and noise and general presence of the thing left a real impression. So how do concept cars like the Prologue or Q4 e-tron inform the road car you drive? How do functionality and sustainability considerations influence aesthetics? And are electric vehicles going to drastically change the way our cars look? The man at the heart of all of this, the man with all the answers, is Audi's head of design, Mark Lichter. I want to start really with your start. You started your career with Audi's parent company in 1996. That's it's a long time to be working under the same roof. So what keeps you ambitious and excited about going to work every day? What, what keeps you there? What keeps you going? To answer your question, I'd like to start in the beginning. You have to know that ever since um, I was a young boy, I have been dreaming to become a car designer. And the reason is there are two people who influence me a lot. Uh, first has been my father. He's still crazy for cars. You know, I'm growing up in a small town in the middle of Germany and there has been mountains around. There are around, uh, I don't know, 10,000 foot or something. And each weekend there has been a downhill race. And uh, my father was always doing races on the weekend. Uh, downhill races and slalom races. You know, this was very popular in the 70s. And I was always joining him during these weekends. I would say this influenced me a lot. You know, when he was driving in his Vipan Green uh, 2.7 RS a downhill, really, it was impressive. And after a race, I was sitting in the car, I was steering the wheel and everything, unbelievable. And the second person is um, his father. So my grandfather, he has been uh, an amazing artist. And he teached me um, when I was already a young boy in, in different techniques like oil painting, aquarelle, perspective and everything. So. I was really very in a very early stage when I was been really young to, to handle all these techniques. And I start designing cars or sketching cars. And then I was dreaming and dreaming and the dream came true when I start studying transportation design. It has been 92 in Fort University. It's in the south of Germany. And the dream came true. I was the luckiest man on earth when I start studying transportation design. And then A year later, I got already a sponsorship from Audi and they said, okay, when you're ready in the year 96, you can start in Ingolstadt working as an exterior designer at Audi. The problem is that during my studies, the head of design, Hartmut Varkus, who has been the head of design for 25 years, unbelievable, he left Audi together with Mr. Pirch and he, he went to VW. And when I, when I was ready with my diploma, I, I called him and said, Mr. Varkus, I'm ready. I like to start in English. I said, yeah, Mark, wait. 
you have to follow me for a few years to Volkswagen first in Wolfsburg and then you can go to Audi. So it took me 17 years. I was working at VW for 17 years, which was a nice time. I did many cars with my team, many very attractive cars, luckily. That's an incredible story. I will grant you that. But I, I, I like the fact you said, follow me for a few years and it ended up being nearly 20. Yeah, nearly 20. Can you imagine? Unbelievable. And I was always dreaming. I want to go to Audi. I want to go to Audi. I want to design the next generation TT and all these amazing cars. So you, you, you talk about car design having been part of your life, part of your upbringing, having been an inspiration for you from a very young age. What is it about a car's design that can really excite you and which cars kind of exemplify that excitement for you? I have to say, you know, when um, you have to know that before we start designing a car, there is always a design strategy as a base. And uh, when I start working in Audi, I did it together with my team, a design strategy before we start um, redesigning all the new cars. And, you know, there are a few cars in the past which influenced me a lot, I have to say. And on one hand, it's, it's the 911 because an iconic car. Because of this simple shape, you know, you can describe this car with two lines. But if I look to the history of Audi, there are many cars as well, you know. And there is, uh, for example, the Audi Quattro, the four-wheel drive car, which came up, in, I guess, in the 80s. There is this Quattro muscles, blisters on top of all four wheels. And this is something which you can see today in each uh, Audi. So this is, uh, I think, a very important gene in our DNA, so to visualize Quattro. And the, the Audi Sport Quattro did it in a perfect way. You know, the short wheelbase Audi Sports Quattro, which Walter Röhr has been driven very successfully. Amazing car. Then uh, I have to say a little bit later in the 90s or end of 90s, the TT, for example. TT is for me super iconic car. You know, there is so many DNA of Audi inside. You know, this, this super fast roof line, the tight cabin, the wide body, the shoulder, this very clean, timeless design, a very important car. And there is a race car which influenced me and us a lot. It, it's, a, it's called the Audi 90 Quattro Imsa GTO. And there is, you know, this, I love the tight cabin, the, the body side, and then these extreme muscles, you know. This is, looks very similar to, um, I'm sitting here next to the, an Audi Prolog model, you know, a show car which we present uh, end of 2014 as my first Audi. And this is inspired a lot by this IMSA GTO. And there is another car. I think it has been in 93 when Audi launched as a pre-production show car the, the Audi A8. It's the second generation. It has been called D2. And this the show car was called Audi Space Rain Concept, I guess. You know, it has been this aluminum polished A8, which is a timeless masterpiece it looks still super cool it's really timeless and this kind influenced me a lot you know there's really lots of audi dna you know this this fast cabin this extreme shoulder tight cabin wide body strong wheel arches yeah these are a few cars which influence us here a lot and not only me and my, my whole team can you talk us through the design process from start to finish Cause that's what a lot of people don't really know about how do you get from an idea to a product on the street you know, before we start sketching something, there is a, a design strategy and design philosophy, which includes all these, these ideas, which has been in the past to be bold and progressive. And I would say that at Audi, we all are driven by progress, I have to say. Everybody at Audi wants to come up with something different. There is a kind of manifest in our design strategy where it's written exactly like this. And then there is a, a briefing with marketing and sales. For example, when we are working on a, on a successor, we are talking about what has been good on the predecessor, what has to be modified. So this is a kind of briefing. And then we start working completely. Every designer starts thinking about uh, design, exterior, interior. So there is a kind of competition. Everybody starts catching, for example, if I'm asking for a 
please design the successor of an A7. So everybody's doing sketches in interior and in exterior design. And here in this building, we came up with a complete digital process. So, so that means we start really in virtual reality. And you have to know that uh, the, the developing process took around four years. Our part is the first two years. We are involving from the first sketch up to, we call this design freeze model, it took us two years. And uh, we start with sketching. Then we do a kind of competition. I choose a few ones. We completely build them up in data, in CID data, and then we are milling the models. And then later we start working on color and trim, for example, to do the whole interior design. So this is, you know, we, it took us two years from the sketch and I, I come up in the beginning with four full-size models for interior and exterior. Then I reduce them, you know, like, like a football world championship, you know, there's, uh, we start with four, then we, add, we are reduced to two and then the end there will be one, the winner, one model. And uh, the perfect way is that this is designed by one, by one designer. Huh? And it's really, it's completely digital and virtual. And we are working there 24-7. That means the meaning of the, during the daytime, we analyze the shape of the car. I discuss this with engineers, with designers. We put some tapes on to modify it. Then we digitize this. We rebuild the CAD data. And by night, the car is milled. So during the night, all the milling machines are running. And they have the latest data in the next month. So that's the process for almost a year. So you, you modify a design, you play with the design, and then you go home and overnight, as if by magic, everything is fixed and, and fettled to your specification. Exactly. And I love to enter the studio in the morning. The first thing I'm doing, you know, I'm, I have many meetings, um, but half of the day I spend the time walking through the models, talking with the design engineers. I love to, to be... The first thing I'm doing, I'm entering the, the building, I go to the model studio to see the latest data of all the models. Earlier, I was, I was wondering, you know, you've been part of Audi and its parent company for many years. What keeps, you, what keeps you going into work each day? It sounds like going in in the morning and seeing the latest progress on the latest models is a pretty good reason to get out of bed. Of course, you know, I, I love, it's, design is my passion and I love the Audi brand. I love to, to create the future and I love to give Audi a face with my team. It, it's really, it's, it's, it's my passion and I'm crazy for sailing as well. And I tell you how my life is looking, you know. On a weekend, in summertime, on a sailing boat, I have a small ship and I have a bigger one on the Baltic Sea. And I try to be on a, on a, each weekend on the boat. And on Friday, I'm looking forward to said, oh, it's cool to go sailing on the weekend. And then as well, Sunday evening, ah, I, I can't wait to enter the studio in the morning. This happens really the whole, my, my whole life. This is it's my passion. After that, designing cars is my passion. It's very rare in this world that you find someone who is as enthusiastic about their job as you are. But there are many people here inside in my studio. I tell you, everybody here in my team, they love, they, really, they love what they are doing each day. So if, if we talk about, you know, you're, you're working with a team of people who absolutely adore what they do. Can you tell us how style and design in, in, in your space has evolved alongside technology? Because, of course, with different elements of, of tech and both in the design process and needing to be on the physical final product, there must be some extra constraints or some extra uh, exciting challenges, I suppose, uh, as you go along. Of course, but we have to know, you know, our design philosophy and strategy is called aesthetic intelligence. And that means Audi stands for a perfect symbiosis between innovative technology and progressive design. And this has been, honestly speaking, already for the last 30 years at Audi, you know, we are driven by this, this progressive technology. And this is part of our DNA. That's why we, when we start designing a car, of course, there are challenges, for example, on EV to package the battery pack and everything, of course. 
But you know, we want to visualize this progressive technology. This is this is our rule, I have to say. That's the reason why Audi became successful. And that's that's the differentiation to our main competitors, that we are visualizing innovative technology. For example, aerodynamics and, and four-wheel drive and all this these details. Really, we are we are working as a team, I have to say. Engineers and designers. Start from the beginning of a pr- in, in, of a design process. So th- thinking about that design process, though, the, the most recent and the way uh, the industry is going is EV. So how is EV and the architectural changes that kind of, you, you don't need to design around an engine anymore? How is that being reflected in Audi design? What's how, how is that making your life different? So I see right now different approaches to visualize an EV in design. We have to handle for many years in parallel. ICEs and EVs. And our approach is very simple. And I think it's different than some of our competitors that they're they are doing some bizarre design language to say, hello, I'm an EV, I'm different than an ICE. Our approach is very simple. E-mobility is our enabler for the most beautiful Audis ever. That's it. And the, the challenges, I would say there is more, more advantages and more opportunities than challenges, you know. It's always you have to you have to package this huge battery pack, and it doesn't matter if it's a low floor car or a high floor car, but it's a, it's a huge challenge. On the other hand, it's a huge opportunity because to integrate this battery pack, you need a long wheelbase. Because of this long wheelbase, and there is no combustion engine anymore, the overhangs are reduced. So we have long wheelbase, short overhangs. We need big wheels because of the additional weight of the battery, and this all together creates. Perfect proportions. These are proportions like, you know, when I, I told you that I'm, that I, since uh, I was a young boy, I have been sketching cars and I sketch cars like this, exactly like this, as you know, as a child, big wheels, no overhangs, a really tight cabin, wide body. And this is becoming true with, with electromobility. So the e-tron GT, you said it's it's the most beautiful car you have you have ever designed. Is that because of these, this kind of lack of uh, formal constraints? Definitely. Talking about Eton GT, this is definitely something special for me. And as, like I mentioned, I'm working for as a professional designer for more than 20 years. And I did together with my team really a lot more than 100 cars. And, and some, like I mentioned already, some iconic ones, some beautiful ones like A7, for example. Some, uh, I would say, very characterful cars like Q8. But the Eton GT is by far, uh, by far the most attractive car I've ever designed with my team. And the reason is very simple. The basis for good design are proportions. And the proportions are defined by the package. And the package of the Eton GT is simply a masterpiece. Like I said before, big wheels, short overhangs, wide track, low cabin. And you know, when we designed this car, um, we, we start working in a wind tunnel. You know, we, we, we shape the kind of wind tunnel. As you know, aerodynamics are very important to extend the range at an EV, a very important topic. So we came up with this super fast roof line and this narrow cabin. And then we created like a, like a proportion model. And then the biggest challenge has been, okay, now we have to integrate a 95 kilowatt battery pack in the floor of the car. And the engineers came up with, a, with an awesome idea, you know. The battery pack is in different layers, you know. Exactly where, where, where you're sitting in the, in the second row, there is a, the battery is higher. And where are your foot? The battery is lower. So we have different levels. So, to answer your question, e-mobility is enabling us, for us, the most beautiful car ever. And the Audi e-tron GT is the perfect example for this. Amazing package, amazing proportions, and 
functionality. I mean, uh, uh, alongside the fact that EVs are are the future and they are less less polluting, better for the environment, that kind of thing. The Etron GT also uses sustainable materials in its interior. How did you how did you come up with the uh, with the materials that you ended up with? I think sustainability starts in your head, you know. And our approach is really an honest approach. That's why we spend many weeks um, designing the Etron GT in the wind tunnel. So aerodynamics became a design principle. There are air curtains very visible. So they're really in, in the next step in our design language. And we did the same in the interior. For the first time, we offer a complete leather-free interior. And you have to know our premium customers, they are, they are used to order leather. And I said, no, as you know, this car is a battery electric vehicle, is super efficient, has, has super sophisticated aerodynamics. It's a huge range because of this. I want to have a really sustainable interior approach. And we came up with the idea to, to offer as a line a complete leather-free interior. And what we did is, you know, all the carpets and the floor mats are made from recycled fabric. It's called Econyl. This Econyl is made from recycled PET bottles. So all the carpets and floor mats are made from these recycled PET bottles. And the seats are made from a recycled fabric, half-half, 50% um, recycled fabric, the other 50% Econyl. So for the first time, leather-free interior. I think this shows and visualizes our really honest, sustainable approach. Now, Etron GT is, it's a hugely exciting car. I can't wait to have a go in it and have a steer in it and make, make noises fly out of my face and go very quickly and feel super cool. Part of that is because I'm a massive film nerd, especially when it comes to superhero movies. And the Etron GT concept, it was in Endgame, huge, huge film, mega, mega thing. It was a, it was a good day when I went to see that. When you're designing cars and they, you find out they're going to end up in films, like what's it like seeing your work immortalised on the big screen, especially in, in films that are that huge that you know it's going to be seen all over the world? I'll I tell you a story. You know, we did a show car of the Etron GT. In November 2018, we, we present this Etron GT concept in Los Angeles. And a week before, I got a phone call from a manager from um, Robert Donnie Jr. And he was asking, he said to me, yeah, uh, Mr. Uh, Donny, he wants to know who is the man behind the Audi design. And I said, yeah, uh, I'm, the, I, I'm responsible for the design and I will be in, in Los Angeles a week later. I said, oh, cool. Mr. Robert Donny wants to meet you. I met him. And we, had an, we spent the whole day together driving R8. I present to him the Eton GT. And he said, what do you think, Mark, if we do it tonight, we unveil the car together? I said, unbelievable. The dream is coming true. So I, I unveiled the car together with Robert Donnie Jr. And then we discussed and I, he, he presented to me all the... I got a sneak preview of the movies and everything. Unbelievable. And I went to the cinema as well a few months later. I'm sitting together with my colleagues, with the whole team who worked on the Etron GT, and it was a dream when we saw the Etron GT driving in Avengers Endgame. Unbelievable. It was a once-in-a-lifetime experience, I have to say, to meet Robert Downey Jr., to spend the whole day with him, and to unveil yeah, the most beautiful car which we designed here at Audi. Is Robert Downey Jr. as cool as I hope he is? Um, he's special. To answer your question, he's very special. He's super creative. You know, then we... We discussed or we did a, like, a, like, a, like a script how we want to unveil the car in the night. And we did a movie before. And there was a, like, a, I would say like a red line how we answer and how we talk about the design. We start doing this movie and he came up doing the movie with ideas and they change it. And, you know, it was always for me very difficult because he's one of the best actors in the world and I'm not. And we're doing a movie together. And it was always a big challenge for me, you know, to, to do this movie with him. But it was fun. We come up with a very funny movie and yeah, he's a great guy. Unbelievably creative, 
once in a lifetime experience. That's uh, I'm I'm incredibly jealous. I really want to meet him. Um, something I've always wanted to know, and something I always always want to ask car designers. How do you? How do new ideas come to you? Like, when do they manifest themselves, and how do you get pen to paper? Because if it's somewhere inconvenient, like I don't know, when you're in the shower or having a bath, and you're like, hmm, how does idea go to paper? So first of all, you have to know from your perspective, it's always difficult. You know, you 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 think, how can you imagine how a car will look like in five years' time? But you have to know when we are entering our design center, we are already four years ahead. You enter the studio and you are, we are living here in the future. So it's easy for us, I have to say, because we are living always minimum four years ahead, it's easy to say how the future will look like. But that's one thing. The second thing is, you know, we are doing showcase to, to find out how the future could look like and to get your feedback, for example, from you and your colleagues and from customers. And we have two kinds of, of showcase, you know. The one is pre-production showcase, which... Um, we are designing when the production car is already desi got design freeze already. So we do a car which is which reminds you then uh, uh, two years before the car goes to market how the car could look like. It's one kind of uh, show car, and the other one is uh, some very, really visionary show cars which, where we are looking many years ahead, like we did in the year 2017 and 18, 19 with this uh, AI family. Maybe you remember AI, the Icon and the Amy and the iRace and the iTrail. These are show cars where we look. 10 years ahead where we try to get a feedback from you and the customers if they can imagine a future like this, you know, and these cars are more specific, you know, I see that the future is changing. It's different, you know, we are, we are, we are, we are living in the future. We are speaking to people who are, who are working on, on trend research and each designer has his own opinion. And, you know, I, I personally, my ideas are coming when I'm sitting on a sailing boat, you know, when, when, I'm, when my head is blowing uh, free by the wind, I come up with the best ideas in, in my case. But each designer is doing this in a different way. You have to know that we, we talk about design process, you know, and for the last, I would say, yeah, 100, more than 100 years, 120 years, you know, the development process has been always the same. It starts with a masterpiece, the combustion engine. Then the engineers developed a platform, a chassis. And then we decide, is it a two-seater or four-seater? Then we do an exterior design. And then at the end, we enter some seats and the dashboard. Today, this development process is exactly the opposite. 180 degrees change. We start with a use case. So what's the use case? Then we come up with an interior interface, graphic user interface, and we thought, okay, this use case, maybe it's more for long distance traveling. Okay, we need four seats minimum, maybe a little bit more. So we do, we start designing like a mock-up interior, the whole uh, graphic user interface. And then at the end, we do exterior design. So it's the opposite of the last one or 10 years. And this is really a revolution. And it's really exciting, you know. I'm, I'm exciting to be part of this transformation, which is going on right now in the car industry. Speaking of, of uh, transformations, when it, have you ever had that moment where you've been thinking, oh, hang on, what I'm doing now, what I'm working on, I can do pretty much whatever I want. And then you've ended up creating something new or exciting that's become a mainstay. Have, have you ever had that moment where you've gone, bang, actually, I'm, I've been given freedom here and now I can create anything. And it's, it's resulted in something something truly groundbreaking. Now I have to say the car, you know, the each one GT, by, if I go back to each one GT, when I saw first time, and I never told somebody this story. When I first saw three, three years ago, the Porsche Taycan, I said, oh, wow, it's a cool car. I can imagine an Audi based on this platform. Really, I saw this and I said, oh, this could become a dream, a dream Audi. And then we did, am I asking one designer, its name is Paris Shibulski, and I asked Paris, Paris, could you do a sketch based on this Porsche Taycan? Uh, because the, the proportions are 
perfect to do a sketch. He did a sketch and we did a proportion model. And I saw this proportion was said, boah, unbelievable. At this stage, I couldn't believe that this car is going to production because a week later, I presented to the board members. I said, have a look. This is our vision, how a car based on this platform could look like from Audi. And the board members fall in love and said, we want to produce this. And this is unbelievable. Never happened to me during my whole career, a process like this. We did one proportion model, one only, honestly, one sketch. Paris Shibulski did one sketch. We milled this full-size model. I presented to the board and that's the car. There hasn't been a design process, you know, usually, like I mentioned to you, we did competition with all studios. No, it never happened. It didn't happen at this car. One sketch, one proportion model, and the dream came true. So you went from a sketch to a model and then all of a sudden the board, you showed it to the board and went, what do you think? And they went, yes. Yes. Yeah. And usually I present, I have many ideas, you know, I, I present them many ideas, but then said, yeah, maybe, and oh, it's too expensive, or we will see, or it's too progressive. Okay, of course, this happens, but not with this car. Once in a lifetime. You said earlier that when you walk into the office, there there is the future. I want to know what it's like for you personally, having worked on these products, having worked on these vehicles for so long, when you get from worked on it, approval, you know it exists, but no one else does on pain of death, and then concept car, then production reveal, then seeing it on the street. What's that like for you as a creative person? It's a very, I tell you, it's a very, very special moment. I will never forget the first car which I designed as a professional designer has been a Golf, Golf Mark V. And when I picked up my Golf GTI, I will never forget. GTI, white, three-door. And, you know, it was always a dream to do a production car. And this happened, there has been a huge competition. You have to know each designer, there is a huge competition, you know. Like I told you, there are 20 designers who are doing proposals. At the end, there will be one. So with this Golf Mark I, it happens. I has been the designer who has been chosen for the production car. And then we are working on this car for two years. And then there is, uh, we call this design freeze. And then it took another additional years to make the car feasible. So I was already the most luckiest man on earth when, when they choose my proposal. And then two years later... It was an unbelievable feeling when, when I got the chance to present this car to you and your colleagues. It was already amazing. But it was even more amazing when I got my white three-door GTI and I was driving through Europe and visit all my friends with the first car which I designed. And I will never forget this moment. And I tell you, I will do the same with the Audi e 20 t I, I, I don't blame you at all. The, the the level of smug of like, I made this and now all of you want it. Check out how brilliant this is. I love it. I, I, I like the fact that it's not just idiots like me that think like that. It's like, I designed this car. Look at me. Isn't it great? Look at the car. You want it. You can't have it. You didn't draw it. I did. Alex, the good thing is nobody knows this. You know, I'm driving right now in, in a very special color, an RS6. I love this car. I would say it's the most attractive station wagon and you know i'm driving this car and it gives me a, a really a nice feeling driving this car because nobody else know that i'm designing this cars but i got really cool feedback you know during a, a petrol stop i get nice feedback oh cool car looks great nice color and you know it gives me a, a very nice feeling but nobody knows that i did it i, I love to drive in the cars and i recognize that the people like it and yeah let's just say it, i did it but nobody knows this and i like this i enjoy this feeling See, I, I, I am with you on RS6 being one of the bestest ever 
fast uh, fast events, fast station wagons. Um, I, I have I have a, an, an RS6 question actually. So when you you had uh, base A6 and someone says make it RS, like how do you go from one to the other? We we start doing all the cars, the whole range at the same time. It's very important, you know, because the most important thing in an RS model is the wider body. This makes the car that attractive. Bigger wheels, wider body. And you have to take care that it's possible to do this in metal. That's why in the beginning of the process, when we designed the basic A6, for example, we designed at the same time already the RS model. I would say almost that we are, that we are of course, we are driven by the RS models. You know, it's a lot more emotional. So that's why we love to start designing the RS model and then in parallel the basic model. So when you're, when you're rolling around in, in your RS6, you say, you say it's in a special colour. What colour is it? It's tactical green. It's a color which you will see on the Audi e-tron GT. It's a color is inspired by the 70s. You know, it's, it looks like olive green, green, gray. Very special, but friendly. On the other hand, you know, there are 20% of metallic pixels inside. You know, and when the sun is coming out, then it's getting a little bit more warm greenish. Uh, unbelievable cool color. Th- thinking about color, talking about color, how, how big of an influence do you find color on certain designs? Like it's a, it's a hugely important part of a car when you walk down the street. Definitely. You know, there, there are two perspectives, I have to say. You know, um, right now we are preparing the, the, the unveiling of the Etron GT. We present this car in, in a color. It's called Daytona Gray. And Daytona Gray is a color which is already, I, I, I think it's 20 years of anniversary. 20 years a color. And Daytona Gray is a perfect color to present the shape of the car. And I choose this color for, uh, for the e GT because it shows perfectly you how dramatic the shape of the car is. So that's, that's what important. If we present the car, it's important to visualize and to stress the shape. On the other hand, I'm looking for colors which are progressive. You know, we at Audi, I, I want to come up with new colors like this tactic green or like Nardo Gray, which is in, in production for a few years. You know, this, this light gray, which is really cool or quantum gray, for example. So these are colors. They are very progressive. I would say they're important to, to shape the brand, but they're not perfect to visualize the shape. So I have to separate. Yeah? If I want to have a cool color, which is a cool statement, or do I want to visualize a car? And, and usually we're, lo- we're using colors for unveiling new cars, colors which are shaping the, the surfaces and the, the lines perfectly. So one final question before you, have to, before you have to return to the future to design what we will see at some point over the next one to four years. <laughs> or maybe less. Or, or maybe less. So does Audi, does Audi set trends or does Audi follow them? Is Audi inspired by or is it inspiring? I have to tell you, you know, Audi, the reason, like I mentioned to you already in the beginning, why Audi became successful over the last 30 years, is that Audi is doing di- things different, you know. And I like the sentence, you know, that we are here at Audi living by progress. And we want to come up always with something new. And we did it, you know, we did it. And uh, if you look back to the 80s, Quattro, uh, four-wheel drive, we did it. And this inspires our competitors as well. And we do this today as well. i give you an example. Really, we want to be ahead. And we did this with, for example, daytime running light. Audi came up with daytime running light graphics. And now we, we are entering the next level, you know, with this separate segmented data running rest, which you will see on each on GT. One example. Uh, another example is uh, the super precise taillight band in the rear, which you introduce with the Audi A7, A8, Q8. And if I look around, that I would say that this is inspiring my colleagues all over the world. I would say that we, we have to be at, we at Audi, we have to be ahead. We are a progressive brand and uh, we, we want to inspire our competitors. We want to be ahead and we want to inspire everybody else.
Well, Mark, thank you so, so much for your time today. It's hugely appreciated. And I, I honestly can't wait, one, for e-tron GT, because that's it's going to be mega, really, isn't it? And two, to see what your present, but my future is going to... By the time it's my present, it'll be your past, but it'll be someone else's. I'm so confused. My brain hurts. But thank you so, so much for your time. It's been genuinely fascinating. It's been brilliant. Every pleasure. I could talking to you for hours, really. It's, it's, it really, it's a pleasure talking to you. When the world opens, we'll find a boat a fast car and some beer in not necessarily that order and we'll have a good natter cannot wait talking to you in person well that's it for today thank you so much to Mark Lichter for inviting me into his awesome world I am completely obsessed with the fact that he's living in the future and we're not allowed to see it yet I'm going to be thinking about that for a really really long time it's going to bother me for ages I'll be back next week but in the meantime make sure you rate, review and most importantly subscribe to Andy Behind the Rings and please do subscribe that'll mean the next episode drops straight onto your device when it's available not to be too much of a tease but there's going to be a pretty major celeb joining me to geek out on our favourite drives very soon so I think you want to be there for that until then thanks for listening and I'll catch you soon <laughs>